Boy, what a wonderful day to be in the Lord's house as we come together to worship Him and celebrate Jesus saves. He's still in the saving business. We witnessed that this morning as we baptized three this morning. Man, I'm so glad to be saved. Aren't you? Amen. It's a joy to be in the, the Lord's house again today and as we come together to give. God has been so gracious to give to us. And so it's a privilege for us to be able to give back to Him. So I want to pray over our time of giving this morning. And again, our offering buckets are out in the foyers. And so I want to pray over offering this morning, this week, and give online through our website. Or you can text uh, LLBC to 73256 and give that way. But I want to pray for our offering and then pray for our pastor as he comes to share the message with us this morning. And just ask God to speak to us. And let's just thank Him and praise Him. Uh, this morning that Jesus saves. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for the joy to come into your house and to share this special day with our church family. And Father, we do thank you for our mothers and uh, all those moms out there, Lord, just the love of a mother. We'll just never experience anything quite like that. And we're just so grateful for our moms. Lord, we're thankful foremost for your love for us and the love of Christ that we share with one another. And, Father, we're so grateful that you sent your one and your only Son to be the sacrifice for our sin, to pay the penalty of our sin on the cross at Calvary. And, Lord, we're so grateful that you overcame death and the grave and that you live today. And because of your resurrection, Lord, we celebrate the fact that Jesus does save. And so, Lord, it's our privilege to give just a, a portion of what you've blessed us with, Lord, we bring back to you. We ask that, Lord, you take our tithes and our offerings, that you multiply them and use them so that others might come to know the Christ that we know and love. Pray now for our pastor, Brother Andy John, as he comes to share the message this morning. God, would you speak from him your words to us. Give us open hearts and ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, we'll give you the praise and the honor, the adoration that you alone deserve. And Lord, again, we thank you that Jesus saves. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. Once again, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. I am um, extremely grateful for my mother, and I'm extremely grateful for my wife, the mother of my children. They are godly women who have certainly been a part of my Christian growth and walk, and uh, forever grateful. And uh, my dad always used to say that if a, if a boy's got a good mama, any kind of daddy will do, and uh, that's completely false that's false um but but he always said that to honor my mother when people would compliment him and i'm uh, extremely grateful for my mother and uh, grateful for all of you you ladies that um hold a lot of ministry together and lead out and serve and we're thankful to god for your nurturing spirit and uh thank you for for being here this morning and for those of you that are visiting with your mother we do this every sunday and we'd love to have you back uh and uh hope that you can be here uh i want to give god all glory for for the baptisms you know three baptisms from three different families god is working and only he can get the credit for that 
and uh, Sean being baptized at such a, such a young age, it, it shows this, the simplicity of the gospel and that it is serious as turning from yourself and turning from sin, but it's so simple that God has given the gift to make a way for us that a, that a child uh, believes and receives it. And then also, y'all want to highlight, y'all, we, we baptized two full-grown men today. Men, be encouraged by that. Amen? I want you to be encouraged by it. Um, I'm going to tell you, uh, I, I think I'm grown, and, um, you know, when, when people are looking for miracles, when a, when a grown man's direction and heart will change, that's a miracle of God. Amen? And, uh, guys, I want you to be encouraged by that. Follow that example that we've just seen of a, of a, a man humbling himself before God and, and uh, allowing God to, to take him where he wants him to go. I'm, I'm just super encouraged by that. So Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Uh, often I, I do preach Mother's Day messages. This is not one of them. Um, I have a friend that thinks that uh, because I challenge the fathers on Father's Day so strongly that I should uh, preach at the mothers the same way, but I'm not going to do that. All right. So I uh, just want you to, to know, ladies, just want you to be encouraged and be in the sanctuary and get some rest today. Amen. Um, but we are going to, to preach from Luke chapter 18, and uh, we'll look at a parable of Jesus. And a parable is just a story that, that is given by the Lord to illustrate truths. And we're going to read these verses of Scripture, pray together, and I'm going to give you four lessons, and then we're going to be about our day with our families and uh, to celebrate our mothers. And uh, let me read this verses of Scripture to you and pray. Luke 18, verses 1 through 8. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant request. And then the Lord said, Learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't, think, don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? And the answer to that is yes. And then another question, will he keep putting them off? The answer to that is no. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth? who have faith. Lord, would you please guide us into all truth today? Encourage us where we need encouragement. Challenge us and change us. Help us to listen to you, Lord, and to believe as we leave here and live all this out. We thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die a sacrificial death that was meant for us so that we could have right standing with you. We thank you, Lord, for making a way of faith and repentance. And God, would you please lead us today, Lord, towards the next steps of our faith. Whatever we should do, wherever we should go, that we would be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. Four lessons, and the first one is this. Lessons on life. The parable gives the main idea on the front. Not even at the end, it just goes ahead and tells you, always pray and never give up. That's a really good t-shirt idea there. Always pray and never give up. This is truth and wisdom given by the Lord to his disciples 
on the front as to say, if you're going to follow me, you need to know that it's going to be tough, you're going to need me, and you need not quit. I, I, I like when it's straight talk sometimes and the word makes it plain. I saw this, uh, this meme or whatever you want to call it on Instagram this week. I just thought this is a, a good word towards parenting in the same way. Check this out. There are no hacks. Everything is hard. These kids don't listen. This is your life now. Godspeed. <laughs> just straight up. It's going to be difficult. You're going to need to pray a lot. Don't give up, right? Happy Mother's Day. Um, but it's true. Anything I've, I've heard a leader say before, anything worthwhile is always uphill. And to do that, especially to fulfill the purposes of God, to live the way that God would have us to live, then, then we must do as he says and always pray and never give up. Have you ever wanted to quit? Have you ever wanted to quit? Have you ever wanted to lay it down and, and quit? And I mean in anything. We could give illustrations that could range from a silly game that means nothing and we wanted to quit. But we could also be as serious as, as considering an end to, an, to our life quitting. The truth is, is that if we are in this world, and in this world we will have troubles, sometimes you don't feel anything but the feeling that you just want to quit and give up. Well, as we look in this passage of Scripture, there's only two characters in this parable. There is a widow who is desperate, and there is a judge who is selfish. And so if, if we have a worldly story that Jesus is giving to us, in fact, we live in the middle of a worldly story, and when you have a worldly story, you're going to have desperation and self-interest. You're going to have disagreement and sin, disappointment and suffering. And over time, it's enough to where it just makes you want to just flat give up and quit. It can be. It can be overwhelming and frustrating. And God's remedy to giving up is praying up. That is the answer. And, and it's, it's not, for lack of a better word, that's not a sexy answer. We want you to do and say something else that's easier, that's not such a grind, that doesn't take as much faith to get us through our problem. But God's remedy to giving up is praying up. It's the simple bowing of your head, the folding of your hands, the closing of our eyes, the, the bowing of our heart, the posture of prayer, and calling to God by faith. That is enough, the Scripture teaches, to sustain us. Because prayer in the Scripture is spoken of as one speaks of breathing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 Never stop praying. Never stop praying. This is praying without omission, meaning you don't leave it out of your day. You don't leave it out of your moments at times. If, if you are underwater, you cannot omit coming up from air for air. You can't do it. It should be consistent, a consistent draw of breath. Even if you're underwater and you get a short breath, it's enough to keep you going, to keep you swimming. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the Bible says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is, a, this is not just praying. This is getting after it kind of praying. And you know what I learned about myself as I study the scripture and how it likens prayer to breathing. You know what I learned about myself? I breathe on every occasion. Breathing right now. Every occasion I breathe. So listen, when God gives life, God gives breath. If you are born again, you need to breathe. Church, if you and we are born again, we need to breathe and breathe together. 
If you are following Jesus, because this word was given to the disciples as they were following him with their life, you're going to need more than your best effort to finish this life well with purpose and without resentment and without bitterness. You're going to need God. And God's way of giving himself to you daily is through what he has attached himself, which is called prayer. It's amazing how even Christians live like God's not in control and we don't even need him. I mean, it really is amazing. How, how if we, and all you, all you have to do with this is just look at how, we, how much time we spend in prayer. If we only pray when we need to be bailed out, or we only pray when we need forgiveness, or we only pray when things are really going wrong, is that a life of faith, or is that a God, please bail me out because I've done it again? Our prayer life will let us know what we think of who's in charge. The first lesson is on life, that we will need God. Always pray and never give up. The second lesson is on leadership. Fear God and care for people. That's the other side of the t-shirt. That's another good one in this passage. Fear God and care for people. These words are stated twice in the parable, and they are stated relative, honestly, to a lousy leader. A lousy leader who neither fears God nor cares for people, yet that leader in this world is still in leadership. And on this note, this, this parable is not really about the judge. But because this judge is being contrasted with God, we need to discuss the judge and take a look into his life. A judge, even within this flawed world that we live in, is supposed to be a leader of moral courage that upholds a standard of, of conduct that is above minimum. A judge that is in a, a position of public trust the public should be able to trust. He is a responsible person who makes sound decisions even in the world. However, in this what we read out of this passage, this is a leader in the community who twice is described as a man that neither fears God nor cares for people. He even said that of himself. Community leaders, and we have many that are in our church today and many that are in our church period. And I don't say this lightly because while we have fantastic leaders in this community, our community has been, been through a challenge, been through a season with leadership attached to the name of our city and our, our county. And so we need to take these opportunities in the pulpit to biblically talk about biblical leadership as it challenges us all who are in positions of influence. This is a passage of scripture that contrasts an earthly judge with Almighty God. And we don't want to be on one side of that contrast. We want to follow God and represent His interests. Later, we're going to celebrate and appreciate the characteristics of God. But now, we need to acknowledge what the Bible basically calls out as a lousy leader. The Bible says in verse 4, The judge ignored her says, who neither feared God nor cared about people. You know what that means? It means you can be smart and passionate. You can be detailed. You can be systematic. You can have a great work ethic. You can cast vision. And you can turn a dollar. But if you don't fear God and care about people, leader, apparently it don't matter. It don't matter. If we don't fear God or care about people before God, all the other stuff that all the conferences talk about, and all the articles we read about don't matter. Fear God. This was the only thing that the Bible says about this judge in this position. 
didn't say anything else about his good characteristics, how he became a judge, how he ruled on certain cases. What it did say was he neither cared about people or feared the Lord. The Bible says in verse 4, the judge ignored her. I've read where this widow's case was likely involving debt. Now that her husband, see, is a different culture, and as her husband passes away, her ability to pay off debts has, has now died, basically. And, and so this being the case, and, and the person that is holding this debt over her is, is holding an injustice over her, and she is, is going before the judge. But, but to deal with this problem, that judge who does not care about people is going to have to open up his schedule. And he's, he's going to have to take time. He's going to have to set aside his ambition and deal with somebody's issue. He couldn't talk to her, he thought. He probably had people to do that for him. Couldn't get to him. Now listen, I honestly and 100% understand the need to protect a leader's time. I get that for sure. But if we are too busy for a person that is seeking a better day, desperate for a better day than a leader, you're too busy. You're too busy. This falls under his scope of influence, does it not? He's a judge. He's supposed to rule on things like this. This is what you deal with when you sign up for it. It's likely the widow had, had little resources, as we just mentioned. In fact, what I've studied in the context is that a lot of times with these judges in this part of the world, at this time in the world, if you wanted your case to be heard, you had to bribe he or his people to get the case in front of you to actually be tried. So, what that teaches is, is that leaders, we may say we care about people, but if we're always thinking about what we get out of the deal, we may end up helping them, but we don't care about them. That's, that's it. Y'all, we have a lot of leaders in here, and thank God for it, because I think God can use this church in big ways with people that are influential. But we have to be leaders who fear God, and that is reflected in our decision-making in leaders that care about people, starting with me. The Bible also says that judgment rendered was not to get it right. The judgment rendered to the widow by the unjust judge was so that she would leave him alone. <laughs> that's, that's, why, that's why she got justice, is she wouldn't quit. Did you notice that after he rendered a verdict in her favor, that verse 6 says, learn a lesson from the unjust judge? So while he made the right call, he didn't make it with the right heart, so God's word still labels him as unjust? Notice that? Even though he, he gave her justice, still labeled this way, which means he didn't do what was right with the decisions and situations before him. And God always does what's right. E even if you doubt the decision he makes, God always, because his character is holy and out of that is righteousness, God always does what is right. He, at the end of the day, leaders, when we have a decision before us that involves a bunch of people, we just have to do the right thing at the end of the day. That's what God would have us do. Well, I don't know what the right thing is, and leader, we better spend a whole lot of time around this righteous word. And get wisdom from God who says he'll give it to you and be glad that you asked for it. The motives of our how heart counts. And if we want to win at all costs, regardless of who gets helped or who gets hurt, God will judge that. He surely will. That's a lesson in leadership. Lessons on prayer is what we focus on next. First off, Please note that this passage of scripture is a lesson on prayer. It's not a lesson on legal advice. So tomorrow, don't show up at the house of the judge that presides over your case. I'm just kidding, but serious. 
Like, don't show up at your lawyer's house after this and say, I went to church and that's what they told me to do. As they lead you away in handcuffs for badgering people, don't tell them you went to church. Just know this is a lesson on prayer that God is, is teaching. And not just prayer, God is teaching us a lesson on persistent prayer. You have to note as we begin to talk about prayer, prayer is something that belongs to those who are right with God. Those who are right with God or those who desire to be right with God. When my children, especially when they were little, they loved to play with the phone. Loved to. They would take our old phones or sometimes they would just take things that were rectangles and hold them up to their ear. For some of you that are more experienced and mature, you remember the, the cups on your ears, the lines going, we never had to do that. But you remember that. And, and the truth is, is that those, those play phones were not connected to anything. So they were not real phones. If you're not right with God or desiring to be right with God, I don't know what you think you've got, but you've got a play phone. That's what prayer is. To the unbeliever, every religion, every religion has prayer. Every single one of them. But if you are not connected to the one true God through the blood of Jesus Christ by faith and repentance, no matter what we think we have, there is no connection. We're, we're pretending. So if we remain in our sin, our prayer line is just a play phone. Sin separates us from God. Y'all, I know this is sobering, but I feel, it, I feel responsible to tell you this. This is a sobering thought to, thought to think that we've prayed maybe all this time or we're praying and people are praying across the world, but their prayers are not getting through. But either God's word is lying to us or telling us the truth. The scripture says in Isaiah 59 too, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. And we may think to myself, ourselves, yes, but I, I feel like God would just hear all people's prayers. That's the problem. We're living by what we feel like. Lord, have mercy on us. Just whatever we feel is the truth. Y'all know that's not right. I feel like I'm 10 feet tall and bulletproof up here. Guess what? I'm not. I feel like tomorrow I could play in the NBA. Let me tell you, not going to happen. But I feel like it. It's not the truth. It's not the truth. The scripture says in Psalm 66, 18, If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. This is the teaching of the scriptures. That in order for God to hear our prayers, in order for us to be connected with God through prayer, we must be right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. That's just what it teaches. Now, now again, that's a sobering thought. Y'all, here's the good news. That line can be yours today. Those, those lines of communication can be open today. It, until you are right with God, again, I don't know what we're calling it, but it's not prayer. But the good news is, is you can have God and you can have prayer today. When you turn from yourself and turn to God by placing faith in Jesus Christ, then, then you can go before God and be confident that He hears your prayers when you bow your head and close your eyes and express your heart. If you desire to be forgiven of your sins and desire to be right with God, you can get it. Because the gospel is still available. Call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. That's still open today. He's not busted the heavens wide open and come guide us yet. So the gospel's still on the table. And when we have called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, when we 
pray, that, that initial call to God unlocks communication with God. Then we know when we bow our head and close our eyes, we're not doing something that's just religious. We are talking to the Almighty God. That's what's happening. And the Bible says in Hebrews 10, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him, for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Prayer is our, I believe, is our greatest demonstration of faith. I believe even above gathering for worship, even above standing to sing, even above serving, I believe our greatest demonstration of faith is prayer. Closing our eyes, calling out to God from our heart, petitioning God, praying for others, intercessory prayer. I believe this is our greatest demonstration of faith. And you know what God thinks about faith? Y'all know what God thinks about faith? He likes it. It's impossible to please God without it. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. Therefore, if praying is our greatest demonstration of faith, God's going to like that. And we're going to talk about how God attaches himself, himself to that in just a few moments. But still, knowing that it's impossible to please God without faith, and knowing that prayer is a great demonstration of faith, Prayer is often what is lacking in our church. Prayer is often what is lacking in our personal lives. It's often what's lacking in our homes. Daddies, can y'all listen up for just a day, just a minute on Mother's Day? I'm going to get after y'all again. Daddies, will you quit thinking about how you sound when you pray and just pray? You ain't got to sound like me. You don't have to sound like anybody else. If you have a right and real relationship with God, you lead your family by praying the best way you know how to pray. And wives, back them up and support them. When I was growing up, I remember godly men praying with these and thous because that's how they were taught. And I honestly believe that they're right before the Lord and talking to God. But I thought, that's not how I talk and I'm just going to pray. My heart language. It's not about the right words that you say. But we won't lower our pride enough to even give it a shot. Man, just lead in prayer, man. Just lead in prayer. I was... I was privileged to, to ask to come and pray uh, at a graduation ceremony the other day here in town. It was a great privilege to go there and lead that uh, invocation and benediction. And y'all, being that it was a graduation, the truth is, is when you go and stand before a lot of academics, you start thinking about how you need to sound right. Come, Somebody. You know? You start thinking about how, how you need to, to make sure that you say words with eloquence and let them know that you are learned just a little. But at the end of the day, I ain't talking to them. I'm not talking to them at the end of the day. I'm talking to the Lord over them, for them. So I just got to talk to God at the end of the day. That's who I'm accountable to. Just don't make this harder than we, we think it has to be. Just get started and talk to the Lord and pray and demonstrate that faith. You know, some of the most impactful, powerful prayers I've ever heard have been about this long by godly men who can hardly get it out. Gosh, I remember a guy growing up that came to the altar one time and led the men's ministry in prayer, and his voice trembled as he prayed. You think he wants to get up on stage and pray? He didn't have to. He was just praying at the altar to his God. Prayer is our greatest demonstration of faith, but it's often it's, it's lacking in all of the things that we influence. A practicing Christian prays. A practicing Christian prays. Same thing with the church. It demonstrates faith. And, and we may all say... Well, I pray, but what we're looking at today is consistent, persistent prayer. 
We're not talking about praying over your food, which I think you need to do. I think Jesus even asked a blessing. You can read it. He stood and blessed it before they ate. And that's great, and I think you need to do that. I think you need to pray when somebody's sick or when something's bad. But what we're looking at here is just praying always. That's what we're looking at. What's to learn? If you see this on the front, Jesus says to his disciples, always pray. And I love this. The word always here actually is defined as every win. Every W-H-E-N. Every win. Every day that widow woke up. And when she woke up, she was still without justice. And so when she was, she went to that judge. When was that? Every day. Every win she went to him. So the lesson here is that every day you wake up dependent, you pray. Every day that you need God, every win, you pray. I remember my mother, on Mother's Day, I remember my mother at times, she would stop when four or five people around didn't care who was around. Something came up, she said, we're going to stop and pray about it right now. To the point where it didn't get weird anymore. <laughs> Serious. So, so now even with, with our children, we get in the car, we're headed somewhere, we'll pray over the drive. Y'all may think this is crazy. we got a ball game coming up. We pray over that too. We're not praying for winning and doubles and home runs. We're just praying that God's will be done and help us to act right at the ball field. Woo! <laughs> Every win. Always. And if, you, if, if we pray that way, seriously, you, you almost pray yourself out of the offer because now it's normal. And now this is something that we do because of who we are. Every win. When you're starting out, when you're moving about, and when you're shutting down. When the skies are clear or when they're dark, when you need food, when you need forgiveness, you pray every win. When you are uncertain, when you are undecided, when you are undone, you pray every win. When your family is together and when your family is apart, every win. When your church is moving and ministering and witnessing, every win. When the church has the invitation, every win. When your life is wavering, when your life is wanting, when you are worried, when you are waiting, every win you pray. Always. And don't give up. That's what the Bible says today. Be encouraged by it. The widow's example of effective prayer is not every so often. It's every when. It's persistent and consistent. So the question then becomes, what's the deal with persistent prayer and God's response? What is it about if we pray consistently and with persistence that we keep going back every day in need, what's the connection to that in God's response. Let me provide an illustration. Let me pray for us to rest away. Lord Jesus, would you please take us to rest away and help us to stay focused on the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I, I give you an answer, as my glasses are fogging up, let me give you an illustration that connects desire and response. You coffee drinkers are something else. Some of y'all are just half crazy about it, right? Y'all are like heat-seeking missiles in the morning. Like, you will have it, and it will be so. And it doesn't matter if you've broken your leg and they're going to rush you to the emergency room. You will stop on the way, and you will have your coffee. And you will have it like you like it. The coffee drinkers I've seen, even when we've gone on mission trips, folks over there drink it. It's just like the gospel. They're getting it over there, too. And then they want that coffee. And so that coffee drinker has such a desire for that cup of coffee that he or she will not be denied until that thirst is quenched. You are persistent 
in meeting your desire. But listen to this. There are some desires that you can't meet. There's lots of things that we can't do anything about. So we pray. When, when somebody has done us wrong, when somebody is not doing right, when we have huge decisions before us, when we need a job, when we need something to come through, when we need a check to clear, there are certain things that there's nothing we can do about those things. And so in faith, his children call out to the Father. We pray and we pray and we pray regardless of obstacles. And she had her own obstacles as a widow that she had to overcome to get this message in front of the judge. You know what our obstacles are most of the time? Our schedule and entertainment. We have to overcome what we have to get done so that we will stop and pray. But thus, because she was so desperate and dependent, she put it before the judge every day. She demonstrated this desire. In our prayers, it's demonstrating belief that God is able. When we pray over and over and over again, we believe that God is faithful and He will deliver and that He is able. And again, God likes faith. And so if we wake up dependent every day, persisting with prayer, even though we have not seen him answer it the way we want to, when we believe and we believe that he is able, this is an expression of faith that is a repetitive desire. And all I can tell you is God likes it. That's all I can tell you. You may think that's not theologically deep enough, but what's repeated is important. You look in the scripture, you will find repetitive prayer. And not just saying the same words over and over, but getting after it dependently before God, God will move. In James chapter 5, verse 16, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Y'all, there's a difference between praying and earnestly praying. Are you hearing me? There's a difference between those two. Matthew 7, 7, keep on asking, you'll receive. Keep on seeking, you will find. Keep on knocking, door will open. Now the results are open to God, whatever God would do, because it's still subject to His will. But what I know when I see in the Scripture is always pray and never give up because God can be trusted with the answer. Effective prayer is persistent. But y'all, you, you can't miss this. Every prayer is aligned with the will of God. Every prayer is. So you may be praying for something and have been praying for something for a long time. Trust that God knows when and how. And trust that God's will is what we are also praying for. That's what Jesus prayed for in the garden. Not my will, but thine be done. Prayer is communicating to God for what you cannot do for yourself. But prayer is also trusting God for what he wills over your life. I'm so thankful that in times in my life when I prayed and asked God for something right now, I am absolutely grateful he didn't give it to me then. Nobody else, just me? Y'all done worked up a sweat. I am extremely grateful when I called on the Lord and asked him for a wife that he waited. And I met Brittany King. I'm going to tell you this, I'm simple-minded enough to believe you ought to be praying for your wife and your husband right now, young ones. Have not because you ask not. Go on and ask him for it. Now I'm thankful at times when I thought that I, I should make this thing happen, that God told me no. My prayers were subject to his will. We, we need to be praying about where we go to school. We need to be praying about what our job is. 
And we need to wait on the Lord's timing because if we don't wait on the Lord's timing, we're going to go with ours and we're going to make it happen and then we're going to have to pray other kind of prayers after it. Lord, get me out of this. Right? Every prayer, even the persistent prayers, are subject to the will of God. You know, let's think about this for just a second. Why should we pray like this? Why should we pray for God's will? Why should we pray persistently? And y'all, the answer to this is really way too simple, and it's probably not deep enough for some of you theologians, but here's the reason we should pray like this. Because God listens. Y'all didn't hear me. Because Almighty God, creator of the heavens and earth, author of our salvation, beginning and the end, He hears us pray. You know the reason why God hears us pray, church, is because he cares. Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Over and above your feelings, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. If God listens and he cares, you know what else he'll do? He'll answer. He'll answer. Lessons on prayer, lessons on God, and we'll finish and be done. The actual highlight of this, this parable is not the judge. The actual highlight of this parable is not even the widow. It's God. He is the highlight. One of the basic questions when you study Scripture, and guys, again, daddies, I'm going to talk to you for just a minute. Single moms, you can do this too. One of the basic ways to study the Bible for yourself so that you can pour it into your family. When you sit down with the Bible, you read a passage of Scripture, don't read so much that you can't digest it all, but read enough to where you can get to it. When you sit down and you read your Bible, first of all, you trust the Holy Spirit that God's Spirit will guide you into all truth. Don't read it once and go away and think I didn't get anything out of that. Won't you give the Spirit of God a chance to speak? Second thing is this. Ask the question, what does this teach us about God and people? Seriously. Early in the week, when I sit down with a passage of Scripture, before I start looking to all those commentaries with all those big names on it, you know what I do? I read it. I know the Holy Spirit's going to guide me to all truth. And then I ask these questions. What does this teach me about God and man? You'll be amazed at how much you can study the Bible if you'll ask the right questions. And so, as we look at this passage of Scripture, and as we look at it in contrast to the unjust judge, and ask the question, what does this teach us about God, as he has just come off of the unjust judge rendering a right decision Look at the last half of verse 7 and verse 8. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? And the answer to that is yes. Will he keep putting them off? The answer to that is no. I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. So let's just keep this real simple when we answer the question, what does this passage teach us about God? It teaches us that he cares for his people. He will not ignore them and he will provide justice. He cares. And because God cares, he will answer. And y'all, there's something you need to see here before we leave. The Bible says that he, he answers his people. Even he rendered a just decision in the end, so don't you think God will surely give justice, listen to this, to his chosen people. You see, there's a distinction made there between people and his chosen people. But don't let, you, don't let that get you down because all who believe and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior will be in this category of chosen people. 
His chosen people are the whosoever wills. That's who his chosen people are. And that can be you. Yes, you. You brought all kinds of sins in here from the weekend here to Sunday morning. If you're a whosoever will and he's got the water and you want to drink it, then you will also be saved. That's the whosoever wills. We believe here at this church that God's word teaches that he sent Jesus Christ to die for all people who would believe and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. The scripture says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Now, that did not say that everyone will be saved. But it says God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And then it goes on to say, For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile both God and humanity. The man, the man Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. Today may be your just the right time. That God has made a way for you to be reconciled to him, to have right standing and to be forgiven. Revelation twenty two seventeen says, Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely from the water of life come. This is the whosoever will. Y'all, I'm chosen of God because I was thirsty. God made a way for me to have eternal waters of life and I drank it. I have believed the gospel, the good news. I have not added one single work to my salvation, not one. God did all the work for me. I have received it by faith, and turning from myself and turning to God. Drank from the water of life. You see how simple and serious this is, is that some will not be saved, but it's so simple that God made a way for you to drink, drink, drink. He will not ignore us. Scripture teaches he will not ignore us. Because I am a child of God. When I pray, God hears me. That goes for you too. Be encouraged by that today. If you pray and you're a child of God, God hears your prayers. Why? Because you are a son or a daughter of the Heavenly Father. I was at the ball field the other day. A little girl cries out, Daddy, Daddy, like that. And, and my, my daughter was over in that vicinity. She calls out, Daddy, Daddy, and I turn and look, and it's not my daughter. Do you know what I did? Nothing. It wasn't an emergency. She was fine. But I did not respond because that's not my daughter. You know what happens when my daughter calls out, Daddy, Daddy? I'll be there before quick. That's what happens. Why? That's my child. That's my child. I will not ignore the cries of my child. I will not ignore the calls of my child. I will also not ignore a helpless little girl if she's at the ball field and she really needs help. I just want y'all to know that. <laughs> but she didn't. She probably wanted like a snow cone or something. But I will not ignore the calls of my child. Listen, some of you may need to hear today that God will not abandon you in your suffering. He just won't. He, will not, he may not do what you want all the time. And I'm telling you, Suffering usually leads to a conversation about eternal life. Y'all, can you, can you agree with me that in the scriptures, God is trying to get us to think about death. He's trying to get us to think about eternity. Because while we're here for a vapor, we're, we're in eternity and one way or the other forever. And so he's trying to, so through suffering, it'll be for a, a, a moment. And God cares even when you're in that moment. You know, Mother's Day is not the easiest day for a lot of people. Some folks didn't have a, have a great mama. 
Some, some, some people have lost their mother. Some people are, are wanting to be mothers, and they're not a mother yet. And it's a difficult day when you start thinking about what others have or had and what you don't. And, and truly, it gets to that place where you just want to quit, as we talked about early, which is why the Bible says always pray and never give up. And let me give you a verse of encouragement before we move off this point. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, He is close to the brokenhearted. He is close to the brokenhearted and saves those whose spirits are crushed. So always pray and don't give up. Finally, He will provide justice. God will provide justice, not because He is annoyed, but because He is just. He's not bothered that you go to Him. I had a guy on the way out of here in the first service. He said, you know, sometimes I've often thought, are my repetitive prayers bothering God? And I told him, truth is, seriously, like, I'm, I'm never, ever annoyed when my children come and sit in my lap. I feel like I need to make up for what I said to you about the little girl crying out, so I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm, I'm not annoyed when my children want to talk to me. And so this is, again, God, God will not ignore him because he's just, he will give justice. Now, y'all, justice is right according to what's right to God. That's what justice is. Not what we want according to us, but what's right according to God. Justice is deliverance from the curse of this world. Justice is deliverance from the wrongdoing of those who oppose you. Justice is deliverance from the suffering that the godly experience. He will not ignore. He will deliver. And maybe not now, but certainly in eternity. Now, I want you to notice a verse of Scripture that says, Will he keep putting them off? And verse 8 says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Now, some of you are thinking, I've been praying about a job. Or I've been praying about a relationship. Or I've been praying about something to come through and it hasn't yet. Trust God to do what's right with the right time. But you should also know this. When you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, you got justice right then. Quickly. He answered that prayer. You don't have to wait for something to clear before he's going to let you in. The blood of Jesus has been shed. The price has been paid. When you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved, he answered you quickly. And you got justice because he put it on his son. As one theologian said, if answers are slow, we may be sure either that the time is not right or that he is going to do something better. And y'all, as we close this point, you need to understand the identity of God in this passage that God is not a genie. He is a just judge. That's what the Bible teaches. Last thing, final verse, last half of verse 8. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? You see, this is, in the end, the question is not, will God be faithful? The question is, will you be faithful? How many will God find that is full of faith at the end? Because he will be faithful. I, I want to tell you this as, as we close. Will he find us reliant uh, uh, on God to save us and reliant upon God for everything else? Or are we just praying for God to fix something when it's broke? You see, we need, to, we need to talk about that, at least briefly. Is that being found faithful, or is that being found wanting? Because there's no, that's no way to just call upon God when something falls apart, and you don't talk to Him again until it does. That's no way to treat a caring father. Let me tell you something else. That also won't fly with a just judge. He knows it and knows the difference. Amen? Let's stand to our feet.